This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Frankly, I think that dogs don't like them because, well, because sometimes they bring bad news. Mackey and Judd. Animals sense those things, you know. On 1500 ESPN. This is The Pecking Order. Today's topic... Annoying athletes. Here are Mackie and Judd. <laughs> People who annoy you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> People who do annoy you. This segment's for... sponsored by <laughs> Pat Sajak. Um, why don't you go first? So this is here's the jumping off point. Yeah. Andrew Wiggins drives me crazy. That's been a thing for four years on this show. And uh, instead of just ragging on Andrew Wiggins for how how wide the gap is between how talented he is and what his actual output is, mm-hmm. let's uh, let's rag on some other athletes that drove us crazy for various reasons throughout our lives. Mine is mostly, if not all, a Minnesota sports, Minnesota athlete list. Mine is just entirely to keep it local. Okay. Mine is entirely local as well. All right, fire yep. away. Players that make or made me angry or drive or drove me nuts starts with this one. And I tried to be fair here in one sense. If you had zero talent and it wasn't your fault, I didn't include you. Troy Williamson couldn't catch a pass to save his life, but he just stunk. So I start with this one, though, from the same same draft as Troy went in, but the 18th pick in the 2005 draft, Erasmus James. Wow. Out of the University of Wisconsin, Erasmus James had talent. Erasmus James, this was pre-Jared Allen. So this is the entire time that the Vikings were looking for a successful pass rushing right end, right? He had five sacks in three years, including four as a rookie. And then he turned into a complete bust. And here's what annoyed me about him. I think he hated football. He had talent. But he could get by on talent in the Big Ten. And then he got here, and he realized it was going to be tough. And he sort of just checked out. And so he is number 10 on my list because he should have been a good player and he was a complete bust. Number nine, this one's going to be maybe a little bit of a surprise, but I included him low on my list. Adrian Peterson. Not the the in-the-prime Peterson who ran so well and was such a, a marvelous player, but the Peterson who, when the deficiencies began to show and the fact he didn't try and fix them at all, it became a problem. He couldn't really catch pass as well. 
He fumbled far too much, although he fixed the problem, and then it would become a problem again. Yeah. And most annoyingly, he couldn't play on third down because he also couldn't block to save his life. Adrian Peterson, if this guy had ever sat down early in his career and said, you know what? I can really run the football, and I'm really special there. But I've got areas I'm not good at. I'm going to hyper-focus on those areas. He could have been a brilliant player for a long time. Instead, he was a brilliant player for a shorter amount of time because when the deficiencies started to show up, guess what? They were exposed. That's number nine, Adrian Peterson. Number eight, this wasn't entirely his fault, but the fact the coaching staff wouldn't bench him and the fact that they acted like he had to have the job drove me crazy. And he might be listening right now. Mitch Leidner. If you're driving around for for Bite Squad or something right now, I apologize. But my God, <laughs> how, how did you uh, not how right. did you not get benched? I mean, honestly, every year it became well, Mitch has got to be the guy. It's got to be Mitch. No, no, it doesn't. Did you watch the games? I mean, if you had gone to Mitch during his junior season, he probably would have said I should be benched at, at some point in time. Mitch Leidner, not entirely his fault. But the fact that they coddled him like they did, oh, he's a tough player. I don't care if he's a tough player, he's a quarterback. Oh, that's amazing. I love how you you hate college kids. Number seven. That's okay because I got a couple on my list as well. <laughs> Number seven on my list. Number seven. I got one you will not see coming. Oh, my God. All right, go ahead. Sorry. Number seven on my list, the former Timberwolves point guard, the Ricky Rubio. How many times do I have to hear he's fixed? Yeah, they've won 10 games in a row, by the way. And how, I know, I know, and they're going to, people are already, you know, Ricky would have been good. No, he wouldn't have been. Ricky Ricky went through stretches where Ricky was really good, and we'd all become convinced, oh, this is the new Ricky. The new reality of Ricky is this point guard. He, he's improved his shooting, and then two weeks after that, you'd be back to being disappointed. Yeah. Ricky Rubio is number seven. Number six, I couldn't help but include your guy, because the more that we watch him, the more, I guess, unfortunately, you're proven to be right. Unfortunately, Andrew, well, I mean, I, w- I would like to see Wiggy be good, but my gosh, sure. Andrew Wiggins is number six on my list. Wow. These next five must be doozies then. Oh, yeah. Number five, <laughs> you guys are not going to see coming. And this guy deserves it both barrels. This guy is the poster child in my mind for gopher basketball since about 2008. This Wait guy, a second. We have the same guy here? No. Oh, oh. This guy. Wait, there's two options here. This guy. This guy was so bad at times, and yet had the body of of someone who should have been good, that Dawn ripped him. My wife ripped him. Welcome to the group, Ralph Sampson the Third. No, you lied! Welcome to the group! You stole it! You drove me crazy! I thought I was going to be solo on that one. He's number five! (laughs) He's in the top five! He played for the golfers from 2008 to 2012 uh, and, and, and somehow became more passive by the season. He was a Buddhist monk by the time he was done playing. He stood six foot eleven and he played like he was five foot five. I apologize for stealing it from you, but Ralph Sampson. It's okay. I'll, you, I'll add layers to that. <laughs> you drove me crazy. Uh, number four on my list, I think you're going to be surprised by how low he is. It's another entitled player in the sense that the coaching staff has to play this guy because, my gosh, he's a fantastic player. And what we can't, we can't, you don't understand how much he does for our team. Miko Koivu. Two years ago, he was a third line center who played first line. I don't think you appreciate two way players. Last year, he was a second line center and he, and it was justified he was good. And so they signed him to a contract extension. And this year, he's back to being someone who should be on the third line. And don't give me the faceoff crap because now that they're kicking guys out of faceoffs more and more, he gets kicked out all the time. 
and yet it's as if Miko has to. Miko walks on water. You don't understand what. No, I get it. Number four on my list. Number three on my list. One of the m- biggest meatheads to come through this town, Ricky Nolasco. Wow. Four years, $49 million for 15 and 22 with a 5.44 ERA, over 57 miserable games in three years. He was and the master that was at, Terry's investment. at flipping up, get me over breaking balls on like three and two. Oh, I, yes. gotta, I guess I got to throw strikes. So let me throw an 81 mile an hour yes. meatball belt high and then look shocked when it goes out of the ballpark 450 feet. And pre Urban yes. Santana, that was Terry's investment. I'm going to go spend. You don't understand. Terry's willing to spend on Ricky Nolasco. Nolasco's intriguing because he does have like five major league caliber pitches, and he had a really good season the year before, but yeah. He sat there at his introductory press conference in Target Field, and I immediately said to myself, this guy's a complete idiot. He was terrible. Number two on my list. This is a great list. Number two on my list is a guy that I think if you got Rick Spielman full of truth serum, he would agree with me completely. It's Cordero Patterson. Cordell Patterson drove you up the wall because this guy athletically was beyond gifted. He was, he had the ability. If he had, if he had cared a little bit about actually becoming a receiver, this guy would have be would have been a fantastic player who would have gotten a massive second contract from the Vikings. And we likely wouldn't even be talking about Diggs and or Thielen at this point because Cordell Patterson had that ability. Instead, he'll be remembered as a guy who returned kicks. That's it. He caught a career-high 52 passes in 2016. Just as a point of reference, Thielen caught 91 this year. And you're telling me that Adam Thielen has more talent than Cordero Patterson? Yeah, 100%. Cordero didn't give a damn. And that leads me with number one, another guy we loved here in this town, Golden Gopher hockey player. He was a hero and came back as a complete dog. Thomas Vanek. Three years, nineteen and a half million, bought out after, before the third year. Do you realize this is Vanek in a nutshell? Do you guys realize that at one point last season he was drawing paychecks from the Wild, the Red Wings, and the Panthers? That sounds like a genius businessman to me. And the only question is, which one did he have to sign over to his bookie because he had lost a bet on the Vikings, which I'm sure he did. Thomas Vanek, <laughs> you're a beaut, Thomas. Wow. You're number one. So my top ten, Vanek, Cordero Patterson, Ricky Nolasco. You're blocked by some of these people on your list on Twitter. Peterson and uh, Peterson and Patterson yep. blocked me. <laughs> Vanek, Patterson, Nolasco, Koivu, Ralph Sampson the third are my top five. Six through ten, Andrew Wiggins, Ricky Rubio, Mitch Leidner, Adrian Peterson, and Erasmus James. Yes. So I think there's a couple guys on that list. Well, I'll give you my list here shortly. One of my favorite types of people on that list is the guy who, before he does something like athletically, if you just look at him and you tell him, okay, what? here's the sport and the position that that guy plays, and you just look at him and say, yeah, all right. Like Mitch Leitner. That dude looks like an, that dude's, that's an NFL-looking quarterback, right? In, and yeah. then he throws a pass, and it's like, wait, what? <laughs> yes. Like Bakari Kanate is kind of like that, too, where, okay, that dude's about six foot ten, and, uh, you know, he's got some... He He's got some pops. He looks the part, and then yeah. you look, watch him try to box out or something, and it's all right. I'm going to give you my list of ten. All right, there's some overlap, <laughs> but uh, these are inspired by Miko Koivu and Andrew Wiggins, who are our current. I think, I think those are the guys that we rag on the most lately on our show. Minnesota athletes who annoy you, Mackie and Judd in the TCL broadcast studios. Mackie and Judd now continue. This one's better than. 
and a kick in the jaw. On 1500 ESPN. And this portion of Mackie and Judd is sponsored by Robert W. Baird and Company. order today's topic annoying athletes here are Mackie and Judd <laughs> all right can you quick recap your top 10 list here yes. this is uh top 10 Minnesota athletes over the years who have driven us crazy yes atop my list uh, Thomas Vanek was one Cordell Patterson was two Ricky Nolasco three Miko Koivu four Ralph Sampson the third uh, for a throwback at five. Andrew Wiggins at six. Ricky Rubio seven. Mitch Leidner, uh, Adrian Peterson, and then finally Erasmus James. All right. So you and I are going to match on some of these. Uh, not all of them. I'm going to start you off with with one that's a little off the board here. Number ten on my list. A guy who had no problem during a, during an era of, of Twins baseball, by the way, post Johan Santana. Actually, you know what? I, now that I think about it, I'm going to put two guys on this list. All right. Because Nick Blackburn just came to mind, too. But just because the whole, oh, I'm a little bit too strong today, and so my sinker's not sinking <laughs> enough. I need to run like four miles before my start to be a little more tired so my sinker sinks. Too much velocity. The ball's hanging up there. Yep. But the guy that, so I'm going to put him in the same group with this guy who had no problem jumping out five innings, just mowing through a batting order. And then, like clockwork, getting shelled the third time through the order. Kevin Slowey. Remember how frustrating he was to watch? Yeah. So Kevin Slowey, I'm on his baseball reference page right now. When when he would get into, like, the, the fourth, fifth, or sixth inning of a start, he would get absolutely destroyed more often than not. And uh, it would have like a like a two hitter through five innings or something. In fact, his ERA by inning, three point two in the first, three point eight in the third. Let's fast forward to the fifth inning. His career ERA bombs away, five point six, five point seven, four point eight, and then he like made up an injury one time that he had to be put on the disabled list because of an abdominal strain mm-hmm. that he, he yeah, they were going to send him down anyway. So Kevin Slowey and Nick Blackburn representing an era of Twins pitchers. All right, number nine. The most mentally fragile fragile kicker in the NFL over the past 10 years for my money. Extra points and 27 yarders, always a problem for Blair Walsh. Has to be on this list. And then for the Seattle Seahawks to go and sign him after what happened in that game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Next on my list, it's a combination. I've got a couple tandems on here. The Timberwolves big man tandem from... Like 03 through 2005, mm-hmm. Michael Olawa Candy and Eddie Griffin. So, the late my, Eddie Griffin, yeah. Yes, Michael Olawa Candy, who couldn't get to Bellinote across the street fast enough when he was subbed out in the fourth quarter. Like, oh, uh, time to meet with the media. Uh, oh, Michael's actually three drinks in over across the street at the nightclub. Mm-hmm. And every time you dump the ball into him in the low post, even though he had Sam Cassell, Latrell Sprewell, Fred Hoiberg shooting threes. And, oh, maybe the greatest big man of that generation next to Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett. Nope. If the ball went into Michael Olawakandi, it was dribble, dribble, hook shot. Every time, no passing. And Eddie Griffin discovered in the first 10 games of his first year with the Wolves that he could shoot some threes. Oh, I knocked out a couple threes. And instead of being self-aware and realizing, like, I can make a three doesn't mean I should take a three. I only shoot, like, 20% from downtown. He shot five threes a game for a stretch. And then... 
passed away yeah, later yeah, and yeah, uh, it was bad tra- news. Tragic circumstances. Anyways, uh, you and I match on these next two here. Adrian Peterson. Actually, we only match on one of these. Adrian Peterson's on my list of most annoying Minnesota sports athletes. I was always more nervous than confident watching him even just get handoffs, which is what he's going to go to the Hall of Fame for because of injuries or fumbling. And then on the other side, drop passes and missed blocking assignments and the fact that you had to pull him off the field mm-hmm. on third down and also when you were trailing late in games. And never You'd have approved. Matt Asiata on the field or somebody instead of Adrian Peterson and never got better at it. Uh, number six on my list, one read in the pocket and then bolt like a deer in the woods, Christian Ponder. Now, I know that we both kind of agree on the rule that if you're not that good to begin with, we're not going to throw you under the bus as right. much on this list. But right. Christian Ponder, enough teams thought highly enough of him mm-hmm. for him to be a first-round draft pick or maybe second round if the Vikings reached. Can you maybe try looking at your second receiver before you bolt for a six-yard run? Easily or correctable mistake, by the way. Yes. Uh, easily correctable. So Christian Ponder, number six on my list. Um, number five, another Twins pitcher. Current Twins pitcher, never his fault. Always bad luck, Kyle Gibson. Always looks completely perplexed when the bases are loaded and he gives up a ground ball up the middle that leads to two runs and the inning gets busted wide open and then a guy drops down a bunt. When you can't miss a bat, it's your fault. I'm sorry. If you can't he's get a strikeout. look, though, like he's sort of mad about like the kind game. Of throwing the hands up in yeah, the air. It's not- like, dude, if you can't miss a bat on a one-two count, if you don't have an out pitch mm-hmm. and they hit a ground ball that goes through, that's on you. Clayton Kershaw doesn't have that problem. Chris Archer doesn't have that problem. No, he does it's 11 not. strikeouts per nine innings. Number four, Andrew Wiggins. Not number one, but climbing. Number four, Andrew Wiggins, because I think the gap between where he was drafted and his just pure level of physical skill yep. and what he can do on a basketball court. He can take twisting fadeaways from 20 feet and knock them down, but it doesn't mean you should always take those shots. And I think I counted this morning only twice all year has he combined for 12 rebounds plus assists in a game, which is what Zach Levine did last night. Mm-hmm. We're not even asking for triple doubles. How about just get like seven rebounds and five assists once or nine rebounds and five assists or something that doesn't happen. So Andrew Wiggins, number four. Okay. Now we get to three, two of these you did not have on your list. One of them you did. Number three, Rodney Williams, former gopher basketball player. One of the top (laughs) high school players in the country going into the U of M, Tubby Smith. Went backwards every year. His freshman year at the U of M, mbadraft.net projects out two years for the NBA's first round of the draft. And he was projected at one point his freshman year as the third overall pick. I remember it well. Undrafted at the end of it. He played four years, never developed a jump shot, kind of refused to rebound, like just never became a player. He'd be out there for 20 minutes and he'd disappear, even though he was the most athletic player on the court. Mm -hmm. So Rodney Williams, number three. Number two, Ralph Sampson, the third. I've got him even higher than you wow. do. Wow, I thought having him in top five was First impressive. First of all, he once compared himself to Tim Duncan. Well, hey, Tim Duncan's mellow. I'm mellow. Like, well, we're both, we must both be Tim Duncan. They're both tall. They're both tall. He was a seven-footer who was allergic to the paint. Every shot he ever took in college was from 15 feet. And he averaged, even though he was seven feet tall, came from the Sampson family of basketball. Yes. And he was a senior in the Big Ten and played... 30 minutes a night, averaged four rebounds per game his, his senior year. Like, it was like, are you gonna, you're not going to get tased if you walk into the paint or the low block, dude. Go out there. His dad, halfway th- through his career here, should have said, 
Your name's now Ted. <laughs> you are not using my name. You are not Ralph Sampson. Your name's Ted Sampson, and I disown you. I want nothing to do with you. You're Theodore. Yeah, so he's number two. And then the number one athlete who drove me absolutely bonkers, Delman Young. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Okay. A former number one overall pick who, honest to God, in batting practice and even in games, especially in 2010, hit the ball harder and farther than anyone I've ever seen with my own two eyes. And people laugh at that, like, what? No, dude. Delman Young was a laser show in batting practice and even in games when he wanted to be. Mm -hmm. But I think he cared more about nightlife and all the things that went along with being a millionaire baseball player. Do you remember when he crashed into the fence in Milwaukee and they stretchered him off and I think he played the next day? Yes, they stretched him off, and it looked like he was never going to play again. And he was back in the lineup 24 he was hours just later. Just walking around fine. And then there was another game. It might have been that same series. It was around that same time. Uh, this was at Target Field. Denard Spam was playing center field. Delman goes back. And there. by the way, like Delman slamming on the brakes was like getting a, a semi truck going 70 miles an hour down a mountain in Colorado to stop. Like it was impossible. So the ball hits off the wall yep. and rolls back behind him. And he points to Denard Span yes. and then points to the ball, which is like Denard Span has to cover three times as much ground, and Delman had given up on the play. Uh, but he so he had that breakout season in 2010, and the Twins inexplicably, at a time where he had to decide, all right, are we in or out on this guy? This is the peak value for him, and they said let's let it ride for one more year. And he was back to being the old atrocious Delman Young. Mm-hmm. So Delman Young number one, Ralph Sampson the third, Rodney Williams. There's a go for basketball theme here. Andrew Wiggins, Kyle Gibson, Christian Ponder, Adrian Peterson, the tandem of Eddie Griffin and Michael Oluwakandi, Blair Walsh, and the tandem of Kevin Slowey and Nick Blackburn. By the way, honorable mention, Carlos Gomez, who never met a slider in the dirt yeah. he didn't fall in love with, yeah. corkscrewing himself didn't, into the ground every time he struck out and taunting opponents when down 15-3. to three. Didn't the Candyman once get tased on a road trip in Indiana at a nightclub as well? Yes. That is correct. He like got tased, and they, they had to tase him like twice because it didn't work the first time? Yes. It's an impressive run for him. Yes. It's a very impressive run for the candy man. So there they are. If we missed anybody, Mackie and Judd at 1500ESPN.com. You can tweet at us at 1500ESPNJudd, at Phil Mackie. Dave, what kind of stuff do you have for us next? The most excellent stuff you can imagine. We've got lawsuits. We've got conspiracy theories. We've got... Olympic notes to get to, a lot to do. Uh, Lindsey Whalen in 45 minutes from now as well, and Derek Wetmore from Fort Myers. This is the day that pitchers and catchers report. Mackie and Judd in the TCL broadcast studio. Let's, let's blast off. Mackie and Judd now continue on 1500 ESPN. And stuff you should know about is sponsored by the Exogen Temporal Scanner Thermometer. Outsmart the flu. The Exogen Temporal Scanner Thermometer is the number one thermometer preferred by pediatricians. Smart technology backed by over 70 clinics. Clinical studies protect your family. Rely on exergen.com. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please rise. Men, remove your caps as we honor America and the Twin Cities sports scene with the playing of stuff you should know about. All right, Dave Harrigan. What stuff are you going to play for us today? I am first going to go to the email because we have uh, Jared who sent in an email about your lists, boys, and it mm-hmm. reads as follows. This guy probably follow, uh, falls into the category of just not very good, shouldn't have been there. But if Judd is putting Leidner in his top ten, 
Joey King has to be in the personal top five of Jared. He was so grossly overmatched in every Big Ten game he played in. Painful to watch. Patino kept playing him 25 to 30 minutes a night. By his senior year, I couldn't even be mad just laughing at him getting swatted on one end <laughs> and giving up <laughs> offensive boards on the other. So I, I always thought Joey King was like their best and scrappiest player that was just, I mean, the rest of the roster was so bad. Joey King would have been a great little sixth man off. The, if you put Joey King on this team, coming off the bench for 20 or 25 minutes, shooting some threes and grabbing some rebounds, he'd be fine. He didn't He didn't drive me as nuts as uh, that emailer. I didn't feel the coaching staff, though, told us that Joey King was the best option. They just had to continue to play him because the team was so bad. I always felt like the feedback on Mitch was, oh, you don't understand. You're, you, you guys aren't seeing Mitch. No, I'm seeing yeah. it. Well, Joey King, too, he also played in Europe for at least a couple yeah. of years professionally. Joey King was one of the best three-point shooters in the conference for his last two years. I think early on when the I think the first couple years, or the first, what what was his first year? It was, uh, well, he went to Drake for a minute. There there was maybe a couple seasons where, all right, 30 minutes, 35 might be a little aggressive, but all right, that's fair enough. People get annoyed by it. Go for basketball, a major theme, I think, in our, in our list here. Later on, so we can let Dave get to stuff here, but there's one that someone suggested on Twitter that I forgot about that is number one on my list, maybe. Oh, wow. I forgot about him, but we'll get to that later. Wow, that's big. Let's get to a conspiracy theory then. All right, take yourselves back to oh, January of 1985. NFC Championship game. It was San Francisco 49ers, Chicago Bears, and the Niners kicked the crap out of them. 23 to nothing was the final. Niners went into that game as massive favorites and obviously delivered. And apparently that always stuck in the craw of the coach. Da coach, Mike Ditka. Always very unhappy that Mike or that uh, Las Vegas had his team as giant underdogs into that game. Apparently he thought that demoralized his club. They went into that game thinking, well, we have no chance, so why even bother? Fast forward a year later, Bears in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 20. They beat the Patriots, win. Walter Payton doesn't get the ball at the goal line. William the Refrigerator Perry gets the ball at the goal line. Mm -hmm. Here's your conspiracy as to why that happened. That was the infancy of Super Bowl prop bets from Las Vegas. <laughs> One of those <laughs> was about the fridge scoring a touchdown. Started at some books at 50 to 1. Started at some books, or maybe went right up to 75 to 1. Before mysteriously, the odds dropped way down to only about 5 to 1. On the RJ Bell podcast, they played a clip of Jim McMahon, quarterback of that team from a radio show a little while ago, explaining about how the coach, the coach, Mike Ditka, may have had a role in that. I think he made a bet. <laughs> oh. I'm not positive, Ooh. but I'm, but I know, you know, I know, yeah, I, know he, I know he likes to gamble. That's not, a, you know, everybody, you know, likes to gamble every once in a while, but wow, I'm sure he probably put some money down. So did coach Ditka put a sizable wager on William, the refrigerator, Perry scoring a touchdown when he got great odds and then make it happen. You know, that that would explain a lot because when that happened, it was a big, big source of controversy and consternation that, that Peyton, who had finally got to the Super Bowl, didn't get that touchdown. And it was never really explained why wouldn't you just put Walter in there to score the e easy touchdown to get one for his career. That makes a lot of sense if that's the case. So here's my question, all right? 
Walter Payton, they scored like 50 points in that game, right? Didn't they win that game like 50 to 10 or they something? They scored like 40, yeah, 46 or something. Yes. For whatever it was, They right? scored a ton, yes. Okay, didn't he have other opportunities? Couldn't they have... I just remember there was the play at the goal line, and a lot of people thought it was Bush League to put the, the fridge in there instead of Payton. But that would, but if he got the odds on that... But it's one of the most iconic touchdowns in the history of the NFL. Oh, only because it was 46 to 10. Guy scoring. Yeah, well, here it is. Okay, they gave the ball 22 times to Walter Payton. Yeah, no, I'm not defending and he it. Only saying, gained, he only gained two and a half yards of carry. Get his ass out of there. I'm not he can't defending move the ball. I'm not defending Put someone in who's going to get I'm the ball saying, over the goal I'm line. What I'm saying is this might help explain why the, the fridge, who, by the way, now does not look that fat. If, oh, if, in comparison, if you, go, no. if you go back and now you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's just a, a normal looking guy. It looks in football. like a tight end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's chiseled. I mean, the guy got 22 carries, Walter Payton, in the damn Super Bowl. Put one of them in the end zone if you're so great. I like the idea. That's a good one, though, that the coach bet on, put a wager on that. Let's talk about the Marlins. This is a great story. David Sampson, former president of the Miami Marlins, throughout baseball all around the country, Major League, Minor League, a staple of in-game, in-between-inning entertainment, the old mascot race. We do it at Target Field. Everybody loves the mascot race. They do it down in Miami. It features oh, Billy the Marlin. You've got uh, Julio the Octopus, Angel yeah. the Crab. and It's Jump the Shark. Bob the Shark, actually, oh. is a part of it. Bob the Shark, yeah. Hmm. May of 2015, May 27th, 2015, the race was happening. As it always does, the poor purple octopus, Julio the octopus, was supposed to lose. He never wins the race. He always gets tripped up. Perhaps he's hacked down by Darth Vader on Star Wars night, tripped by the bullpen doors. Often Billy the Marlin would be the guy to act the uh, fool and trip poor the octopus. What's his name yeah. again? Yeah, whoever he is. Yeah. Julio the octopus. Well... On this night, there was an accident right at the finish line. The octopus looks like he's going to win, and that's the point where Billy the Marlin usually trips up, but he accidentally tripped Angel the Crab instead. Oh, no. And Julio the Octopus won the race. Wow. This is like, this is like a, a botched finish in wrestling or something. Yes, exactly. Well, we go back to David Sampson, former president of the Marlins. Ticked off, boys. Quote from the story. David came in and was livid that Julio won. That can never happen again, he said. He's not supposed to win. And he said that if it ever happened again, he'd fire everyone. That game finished as a 6-0 Marlins loss. And that was also the day that Mike Redman was fired as manager of the Marlins. Yeah. Uh, in other news, the Marlins have not made the playoffs since 2003. In case you're wondering why. And now they're, they're not going to have that race. And they fired the poor guy that played Billy. Oh, no. They are still having the race. Yeah, they the are. race is not going anywhere. Oh, I thought they I announced. Have, I have no idea. Oh, no. The they, they, no, no, no. They, they came out and announced yesterday the races are done. The race is done. The race is, the race is done. And Billy the Marlin, the person inside the costume, has been fired. But he'll be replaced by a new person inside the Billy's costume. So you get, you get rid of the races. You get, get rid of Giancarlo Stanton. You get rid of Christian Yelich. What the hell am I the supposed to do at the stadium? Possibly. The artwork is going to be next. The stuff in center, in center field. field. That That's, might be gone I'm fine next. with that, by the way. That might be gone. I'm fine with that. Woo!
Jeter's very serious about baseball. Oh, absolutely very serious. Uh, Markel Fultz, you guys been keeping up on his rookie season that hasn't been a rookie season? Not a whole lot, just that there's some controversy. Yeah, he can't shoot. He's played four games. The first four games of the year since then he's been inactive, and a sort of mysterious shoulder injury has caused him to have to redo his whole shooting motion. I saw that, yeah. And there's been video of him... Just completely airballing, easy, short jump shots. It's it's ugly. So the Sixers are trusting the process. They're turning to virtual reality, according to multiple people who spoke for this story. The Sixers want him to be able to visualize the mechanics he'll use in a game to remember how easy it once was for him to rise up with the ball and shoot from anywhere on the court and to be able to do so without the glare of the cameras or other people around him. He's got the yips. Yeah, that's right? not good when you're four games into your career and you already have the yips. <laughs> yeah, this doesn't sound like it's going to work, by the way. He's Rick Ankeel of basketball. The, yes, he is. Yeah. Well, what else, what else could he do? I mean, Rick Ankeel switched from pitcher to Folks outfielder and hit some bombs. Great passer. Maybe he can be an assistant coach. If you can't shoot or shoot a free throw, shoot a three, maybe you can do something else. Oh, I think I like the distributor angle. He could be yeah, a Rubio style. Yeah, just come down and pass the ball. A few games a year, he discovers his shot and starts knocking a few down. We all scream Penberthy, and then he comes back to earth. <laughs> <laughs> Poor kid. You guys follow Chloe Kim at the uh, snowboarding halfpipe yesterday? I missed this. I heard about it, yeah. So the 17-year-old wins. She's awesome. She was live tweeting during the uh, the qualifying or whatever was going on, explained why she would go to Twitter during the event. What else am I supposed to do? I, I think like watching the contest just makes me more nervous and more anxious because it's like you're just waiting there. It's like, you know, when you're supposed to go to the theme park and your parents are taking forever to get ready and you're just waiting there. <laughs> and it's just like, what are you supposed to do with yourself? So I was just on social media and I just tweeted my feelings. And the subject of those feelings... Hunger. She just wanted a little bit of food. She was starving. What's going on? We got sandwiches in our fridge, right? Someone delivered sandwiches to us. I didn't finish mine because it was cold. And I, like, <laughs> had a few bites of it. And I was like, you know what? I'm not that hungry. I'll be fine. Had a few bites of the sandwich um, and a little clementine. And I thought I'd be fine. And then at, like, 11, I was like, ugh. Why didn't I finish that sandwich? I could listen to the snowboarders give interviews all day long. Like the one dude who won the 17-year-old the kid. It was like Jeff Spicoli from Fast Times won a gold My medal. My family shotgunning beers. Is that the one? Yeah, that's the one. They were uh, Red Gerard. <laughs> shotgunning beers. Let's talk lawsuits to wrap this up. Remember the name Juan Carlos Nunez? Juan Carlos Nunez. Think mm. Alex Rodriguez, Biogenesis. Oh, vaguely, yeah. Yeah, he was named as part vaguely. of that. Well, anyway, he used to be a former associate of the Aces Baseball Agency, all right, representing a lot of players. And he is filing a lawsuit against Aces because, as he claims, he was told to do, quote, whatever it took to recruit and retain players as clients. He came to learn that doing whatever it took meant violating criminal law in addition to the rules of Major League Baseball as well as its players' union, including by making under-the-table payments to players, friends, and family, helping players obtain and use performance-enhancing drugs to get bigger contracts, ultimately engaging in an elaborate cover-up to hide the misconduct. All of this was done at the direction and under close supervision of Aces, who formulated the scheme and at all relevant times controlled the participation in it. The question, is this the anybody well here's my oh so here's my counter question to that if i tell you guys all right listen we need to do something on our show to get some more attention so do whatever it takes 
to get more people to listen. And you guys say, like, whatever it takes. And I say, whatever it takes. And then you go commit a crime. Am I responsible? That's, are you pleading the Rick Tohino defense right now? Well, am I responsible? <laughs> and my brother-in-law, yeah, whatever no, it died takes. in 9-11. And they named the building after him. They named the building after him. I'm just asking him. the question. How can I do that? I'm just asking the question. I am so tired of all these I have no knowledge. People. No knowledge. <laughs> I'm as shocked as anyone. I'm as oh shocked as anyone. I, I didn't see it coming. <laughs> it's funny, like, the amount that we... I think everyone knows that almost every player in baseball at one point during the 90s, whether it was minor leagues. I heard a story one time about a minor league team, like a double A team in this was like mid or late 90s, that every single guy on the roster was going to the same. There was there was a guy who lived in a dorm somewhere and it was. Like every player would just line up once a week and they'd all do their steroid injections in the same. And that's like, <laughs> like players all know this, yeah. but it still only percolates a couple players here and there to the very top. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I tell you anything, Dave, we need lunch and you have to do anything you can to bring us lunch today. Well, anything, anything. Dave and, you saying, murder, hey? and you murder the pizza guy out front. Aren't we able to say, we didn't tell him to murder the pizza guy. We just yeah. wanted some lunch. Well, I don't know why I'd murder him if he's bringing lunch. No, if he was going to another place. Oh. If you went and, well, yeah, that's oh, let's say you went and robbed the pizza place to get the lunch. That'd be problematic. But I think you could blame Phil then and say he told me. Whatever and, and it takes. to drag him down to. Well, again, am I, am I robbing them by going in and making a pizza? No, you you would I mean, be getting committing. the money. No, doesn't you would you get lunch. a gun. You would get a gun, put bullets in that gun, and go in in there with with a ski mask. I hope on to conceal your identity <laughs> and and get the pizza from them. Is that how you do it? Oh, I go with ski so mask. I'm oh, if I'm going to rob a place, I'm going with ski mask all the way. Yeah, they're going to empty the register, and I'm going to say, I don't want money. I just want a I, large pepperoni and sausage. Exactly. <laughs> That's all I need. No, make it two. And I've got a coupon. And some anabolic steroids. <laughs> Wait. Uh, we got Lindsay Whalen in about uh, a half hour from now. She's, uh, she's a blossoming broadcaster now. She's doing stuff for Big Ten Network and also still a star for the Lynx. Also Fox Sports North. So we'll, we'll talk to her in a half hour about the Wolves and what she's up to. Wetmore from Fort Myers later on. Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackey, Judd Zogad. What's wrong with it? I love the fact that people can't stand it. Yeah. And then a lot I of people can't stand it. It's yeah. great. Mackey and Judd. If you'd voted for Donald Trump, you can't stand it. Yes. Right. Yes, you're right. convinced this is the worst thing ever to happen <laughs> yes. in sport. Right. Yeah. On 1500 ESPN. Help fight type 1 diabetes by joining 1500 ESPN and Channel 5 and 45 at Mall of America, Saturday, February 24th for the JDRF One Walk. Join Team KSTP, co-captained by our own Phil Mackey, as well as Chris Eggert and Megan Newquist from Channel 5, and help us raise money for Type 1 Diabetes Research. All team members also receive a free Team KSTP t-shirt. For more details and to join the team, head to 1500ASPN.com keyword events. Together, we can turn Type 1 into Type None. You think you like the snowboard halfpipe? Todd Richards doesn't just like the snowboard halfpipe. He f-ing loves it. Oh, my Lord. How perfect can you possibly land? Here comes a giant backside Della McTwist 1260. That was cute. Half-pipe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, on the backside. Flip. McTwist. Woo. Bye. I watched some of that last night. <laughs> Were you, uh, well, let's make this official here. Curling! Skeleton! The Nordic Combined! It's time to break down sports we see once every four years. It's Winter Olympic Talk 
with Mackie and Judd. Yeah, we had uh, you had the flying tomato, Sean White last night with a bunch of McTwist things. That was fun to watch. I think Dave and I were talking about this before the show. Um, the alpine skiing. So they had last night. I think they delayed this by a day because of the weather. It was like dangerously cold and windy the day before. So the men's, is it the uh, Alpine Combined, I believe it's called? Yeah, so you got the, the downhill, and then you do the slalom the next day. Okay, so you're going down. So last night was the downhill portion, and it's a minute 19, minute 20 course uh-huh. where you're just going down the side of a mountain on skis and ice, and you have to sort of go through, you know, it's Alpine skiing, and you have to go through the gates and things. Yeah. And my question was, do you guys ever, you, you skied all when you were kids or skied all right now? Because I, I haven't skied in 20 years. I did a lot when I was a kid. Okay. I went on one one field trip in school to ski and fell down a lot and hated it. Yeah, that's kind of my experience. Too. That was it. About the same. So once. So I was thinking, could any of us right now, having not skied either ever or in 20 years, if they put a pair of skis on us and put us at the top of that course, and said, your goal isn't to get a time. Your goal isn't to, like, make it to the end. Yeah. Your goal is to not die. Yes. Like, what percent confident are you that you could have that you could accomplish the goal of not dying on this Olympic side of a mountain ice alpine oh. combined course? I would have no, I don't think I'd have a chance. I would start by trying to go down sideways. So I, I would try and walk like sideways. But if I don't it was know. ice, you start to tumble and, and if it your was head ice, would start to I bash. Think it, I think the ice would catch my skis and I, I would die. These guys are going like 90 miles an hour, if not more. They might have a shot if you skied a lot. I would have no chance. I, know, I, I would easily make it down, not nearly with any speed. You know, I'd be doing the big wide looping turns. I mean, these guys are okay. going 90 miles an hour over jumps, for God's sake. Yeah. The minute I hit one of those, I'd be. You know, feet up in the air and losing my mind. It's insane. And then, of course, like these guys train for four years to get to this portion of the event. And the time splits, it's not like, well, Dave finished 30 seconds before I did. Or, well, Judd got down there and I was close. I was like five seconds behind him. The time splits are two tenths of a second, five tenths of a second, seven tenths of a second. The top four guys, and there's an American in fourth place, are all within seven tenths of a second (laughs) on a one minute, 19 second course. That's insane. No, I just died. And none of them died. I don't think any of them died. I'd die or, or best case, be paralyzed. <laughs> Probably best Dude. case, not die, but be paralyzed for well, life. Some guy, I that. think some guy did bite it in that event yesterday. There were a couple uh, a couple crashes, actually. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty bad. But that was kind of fun to watch. Did you watch any Olympics yesterday, Judd, or no? Um, I only watched so much as I had to because the wife watched. She watched the replay of the last This Is Us and cried accordingly for the last half of the show. Yeah, was, and then when that was, was done, she went to the uh, she went to the games. But I tried not, not to watch it, and then quickly went up to bed after that to go to sleep. We're getting criticized by some of our listeners saying, like, well, you guys should be more open to Olympic discussions on the show. Like, I'm, I think we're fine having Olympic discussions, but we're not going to break down the Nordic combined on this show. I think you guys are fine. I mean, I'm curious about it, but I'm, I'm not going to watch it. I'm not watching hockey. I don't care about it. You had women's hockey on when we entered that was the not studio me. No, this no, no. Dave can confirm that was on from last night. I don't care. You didn't turn the channel. Uh, I didn't watch it, though. All right. So here's the question. Do you think we should mix in more Olympic talk, if you're a listener? If you can make a case for us to mix in more Olympic talk, then we will maybe mix in some more Olympic talk. That might mean I have to watch it. <laughs> you heaven just forbi- said you're Heaven interested. forbid. I'm interested in what you guys tell me about it. 
I'm interested in in what you guys tell me, but oh. I'm not going to watch it. So kind of like your hockey opinions, you get those from the writers? Well, that's pretty much, yeah. Your athletic yeah. subscription? Yeah, from Russo. That's All good. of them come from Mike Russo, no question about it. <laughs>